I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to Blaster Cannon, episode 10. Oh my gosh, finally, <laughs> we have the return of long lost member, the Saf. Yay, I'm back. <laughs> Yay. And, and it's a long story that we won't get into why she, she was gone for so long, but we're just happy to have her back. Right, Seth? Yeah, I'm really happy to be back. Yes, yes. And it, it's, yeah, it's and she's been very busy doing lots of podcast things, but we are glad to have her here. <laughs> she's No, she's not that busy. She's not that busy. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have like a pretty, uh, I thought we were going to have maybe not a quite a packed show today and then gigantic news hit yesterday and then I'm solo news. Well, yes. And so anyway, for people who don't know, which I'm, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows already Lord Miller, the director, uh, duo that did Lego movie and the 21 jump street movies, which by the way, have you guys seen those movies? I've Yes. I've never. I've not Only seen the Lego movie. I've not seen it. either three. Either one of them. Like I have not seen either three. None. Not either a. three. <laughs> and probably I, I really. English. I passionately hate the Lego movie, but I love Twenty One Jump Street. So. What? How do you? Okay. Everything is not awesome with time. Saf, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I have no heart. I've accepted it. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so she has a dark heart, apparently. Okay. Which I have only seen half of the Lego movie, but I was barely watching it. Anyway, um, so Lord and Miller, the directing duo, were fired. Not They didn't leave voluntarily. They were fired by Kathleen Kennedy, essentially. Um, they put out press statements basically citing creative differences. Now, this is a gigantic news because they weren't even done filming the movie yet. They still had, apparently, about almost a month left, like three weeks. So... This is huge news, and I'm really curious what you guys all think. I know you guys are huge Han Solo fans, the two of you, so I know this is probably <laughs> must be devastating for you. Um, I'm obviously being very sarcastic because you guys are not huge Han Solo fans. So, Megan, I'll, I'll, actually, no, Saph, I'm sorry. Saph goes first. He, has, he hasn't been on in a long time. So, Saph, <laughs> tell us what's going on. What, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts? I'm sure you'll be very surprised to hear that I don't have super strong feelings on what's happening with this. Um... <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like I have very, I don't know. I don't know. I am a bad person to go first. I did talk about this a little bit earlier on Rogue Podron, and I kind of came to the conclusion myself that it probably won't end up being that catastrophic for this movie because there's such a big creative team working on it aside from just the directors. Like, there's the producers and the writer, and the writer, yeah, Kasdan. Um, and all of that. And it's already so far filmed through that they probably just need to bring someone in just to hold it together and tie it in cohesively into what Lucasfilm wants, I guess. But on the other hand, I'm a little bit iffy about the idea of that Miller and Lord being 
fired or leaving because of these creative differences because I don't want the anthology films to not be creative different things if that makes sense yeah and that's um the statement on the like the press release from Lord and Miller says we normally aren't fans of the phrase creative differences but for once the cliche is true and there was sort of an anonymous source who came out and said that it was something to do with Han's actual characterization, whether he was sort of a likable, funny man or whether he was a sort of sardonic, selfish person. And I guess that's the one thing that I'm, I'm not so much concerned because I, I don't have a lot writing on this movie, um, but curious to see how they characterize Han and whether the the lesson of the movie is whether he kind of becomes a better person or not, because this is a, a prequel, uh, sort of prequel to the original trilogy, right? So it's <laughs> going to be before, yeah, you know, not yeah, a yeah. prequel. Oh, it's a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> per se. Yes. Um, Can't call it that. A loaded word. But it is set before A New Hope, so it's before Han had his major change of heart. So you can only make that character change so much. And I wonder if that's what the creative difference came from. And I don't... It seems strange to me, but interesting that such a large change as removing the director's would come from such a, a pivotal characterization role. So part of me thinks that the character, like the characterization is so important and I'm glad that Lucasfilm is taking it so seriously. But I also, I, I like these directors. I really liked the Lego movie. So I was kind of looking forward to seeing their vision. Yeah. The, the thing with me is I, I was shocked plain and simple and i think for yeah. for me the biggest and the reason why it's so shocking is you let go of a director or directors excuse me um three weeks left of shooting with a ton of reshoots still ahead of you and yet you're citing you know basically you're citing creative differences and tension between you know everybody what was going on in pre-production that you didn't see this coming you know what i mean like it's 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 interesting. That's why I kind of jumped to this conclusion, and I got I talked you know a lot of people about it too um, off of Twitter. But on Twitter, I said, you know, it almost feels like they saw the dailies of this movie and they were like, "This is not good." Like they panicked hard, you know. And so it, it's and for me, it's like the pre production must have went okay enough to where they let everything go, but. You know, this is the second time a standalone film has had some rocky start or rocky issues during production. Yes. Um, You know, Gareth Edwards, one of the things that's really interesting about what happened with Rogue One is that it sounds like he had a similar issue in a sense to where there were there were issues with how he was doing things and they wanted to change a lot of things that he was doing. Now, the difference between the uh, the duo directors and Gareth Edwards is that it seems like Gareth Edwards was willing to play ball and be a good soldier. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a disparaging sense. I mean that like, he was like, Hey, you know what? I want to make it right. I don't want, I'm gonna, I want to be involved as much as of my film. I want to be, I want to be, you know, a good team player and look what happened. I think he turned out a phenomenal film that I think the reshoots helped. And I think Gareth is all, you know, his visions all over that movie. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it is. Um, it's a fantastic star Wars movie. And I think Gareth Edwards is a big part of that. So, it's interesting to me that these two directors 
are you know they're clashing so much that they base it sounds like there was a standstill and then Kathleen was almost left no choice like you know what you guys have left me no choice but to let you go now I I for one think that it's it makes me a little worried but at the same time I'm not that worried because of Rogue One had somewhat similar issues not as probably as intense as this because what we're hearing about you know the fact that like there's characterization issues and it might be too funny. There's other rumors about uh, Lawrence Kasdan being upset over them not sticking to the script that they had. Um, there's also weird things about, I guess there was always somewhat kind of creative tension or tension between the directors and Kathleen Kennedy in the Variety article. And this is really ridiculous. So bear, <laughs> bear with me. Have you guys read this article yet? Where, uh, yeah. yeah, where they, you know what I'm going with this and stuff. So yep. <laughs> apparently the, a source close to the project was saying that there was from the beginning, there was, a, there was constant like uh tension or something like that. Just, you know, never, never seen eye to eye on a lot of things. And then they, the source that said this close to production, close to the production. Now, mind you, this is variety. This is not a, uh, you know, this is not heroic Hollywood, no offense, heroic Hollywood or any cool <laughs> news or, or, or whatever, like enter, you know, super fan site blog, whatever. This is a, this is the top, one of the top Hollywood, you know, sources, you know, places anywhere for news and official anything. And the source that was quoted in this variety article said that it, it, there was, there was, there was so much like difference of opinion of things that she even had issues with how they folded their socks. Now, I don't know if that was a joke or if that was legit, but I did I did say this right afterwards. I said, well, then Kathleen Kennedy would hate my guts because I don't even fold my socks. So <laughs> um, I almost feel like it has to be a joke. Like, how does she know yeah. how they fold her, their socks? I don't At least they're, like, folding the socks they're wearing, like they fold them over or something, which, I mean, I can agree with her, then that's a weird thing to do. <laughs> Don't 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 even, don't even try to justify that. That's weird. No, no, no. I, I mean, here's the thing. I I don't. It could be even to a point where, like, I was in this. I don't know why we're talking about this whole this whole line, but I think it is kind of interesting because how does someone bring up sock folding in a conversation or whatever? But I'm think you almost think that it could have been like they're in a a meeting, like having a lunch, just kind of you know casually talking, and for some reason they were talking about you know traveling. And how, you know, and somehow folding the socks came up and they were both like, hey, we do this. And she was like, how could you guys do that? Like in a joking way. And the source <laughs> was probably there and just being like, oh, she has a problem with this, too. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like just something like that. <laughs> but it, I just thought it was really interesting that they chose to say that to Variety. So I it was, it was very interesting. So um, so anyway, so we so I think we all can agree that it's shocking it sounds like you guys aren't too worried for one also not being that super into the Han Solo movie. I'm obviously the, the well, yeah, go ahead, Megan. I think this highlights the difference between the way the sequel era is being directed. And that's directed like in terms of Lucasfilm oversight and the way that the films under George Lucas were, because I was never of the opinion that it was impossible to have star Wars without, George Lucas, like, I was very happy with The Force Awakens. I've been, I think they're taking a lot of risks with the directors they're choosing, but I've been generally happy with, with Rogue One. Um, I think they're they're choosing a lot of relatively inexperienced directors. Um, but 
the thing that this has highlighted for me is that Kathleen Kennedy is almost stepping into a directorial role herself. And, like, she is she is the new George Lucas. Like, her and, and Lawrence Kasdan, you have to be aligned with their vision. And that seems to be creating creating some problems. And I don't know if that's just a rocky stage that it's going through, or if that means that we're going to see more Star Wars films directed by the same people. Like, if they're going mm-hmm. to get sort of a retinue of, okay, here's the people that sufficiently keep to the George Lucas uh, vision the way we want them to. And I don't mean that in a sort of, like, micromanagey um sort of like their creative decisions are restricted way. I mean, that in a sort of philosophical way where they're carrying forward whatever ideas and whatever sort of tone Kathleen Kennedy has had handed down from Lucas. I wonder if we will see more directors sort of become known for being able to do that well. And right now, because we're still in this transition period, we've had two movies in the sequel era and we're still in this transition period of they're not all George Lucas movies anymore. I wonder if this is kind of a period of change more than more than we thought it was. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that because, you know, they could right now they've gone through so many different directors and there's been issues on literally every standalone film film. If you even count Joshua Trank's uh, uh, movie with Boba Fett that, that got canceled before it even started. Um it's it's really fast. Wait, what? Jo- Wait, I mean, we never knew that was Boba Fett. <laughs> that no, it's like almost. It's like been at like I think someone confirmed that. Like I thought it really? was a well regarded rumor, but no, I don't think it's don't think it's been confirmed. Uh, all right, ladies, we're gonna have to Google this later on because I'm almost positive right. someone's gone out and said that it's pretty much Boba Fett. Like someone went out and said it already. I swear. I I just assumed that he had been on the Han Solo film originally. No, because that was no. wasn't that even before they'd announced it was a Han Solo film. It was just he was the director of the other anthology. Well, I want to say Lord and Miller were announced before. Were they announced? Bef- they were announced pretty early on, um, right after Joshua Trank. I want to say, at least I thought. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. Because no, because I remember. Because I remember at like there was the future filmmakers panel, whatever it was, yeah. at, um, celebration Anaheim. And he was supposed to be there as the other anthology director. Right, you're right. So I assume he would have been on the second newest anthology. Right. So that's why I kind of assumed he was on Han Solo originally and then got kicked off and then Lord of Miller got brought on. No, no. But so, I could be totally wrong. No, no, I do know, I do know for a fact that the, the they were already planning on doing the Han Solo movie with them. And then when that whole thing happened, they got moved up. I, I know that. Oh, okay, I, that makes- I, I, I remember hearing that. Like, I want to say they got, they they were brought on like they were announced like way, but it was so far off. It was like they, they were going to be the last bolt standalone. And then when that got killed, um, then they got moved. They, they just moved him up. I remember it was like, or something like that. It was, it was pretty much right after they, they announced he had left the movie. All of a sudden Lord and Miller were announced. Like, I want to say within like a, at least a couple of weeks or a month, it was not that long. And I remember everyone saying that it wasn't because I remember there, there was rumors of Joshua Trank going to, they were originally going to have him go to the panel and they were going to have a teaser for yeah. Boba Fett. He was supposed to be at the panel. Yeah. Because they said that he wasn't there because of sickness. But yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. But, but it's, but either way, the fact is like they've gone through, there's been problems with every single 
standalone. Now it sounds like Ryan Johnson hasn't ha- hasn't had any issues so far that we we've heard about. I mean, I think we all, I, I think we can all agree to some extent that when there's smoke, there's fire, right? So, but with, mm. with Ryan Johnson, I guess in that case, there's no smoke, so there's probably no fire. I'm assuming. And well, he has said a lot of times that he has had a lot of freedom to tell the story he wants to tell, mm-hmm. um, and I think largely that comes from the story he wants to tell probably aligns pretty well with what Lucasfilm is seeing, um, and that he is already kind of within the Star Wars feeling of the story he's telling, as opposed to Lord Miller. I guess they do very kind of big, colorful things. Not really colorful in like the literal <laughs> sense, but you know, like colorful characters and personalities <laughs> and stuff, which may not exactly fit in with what they want. Right. No, it, it's, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Megan. Well, I wonder, because you could go so many different ways with a Han Solo movie. You could go sort of the young Indiana Jones, like sort of jaunty historical type thing. Or you could go, you know, historical, in quotes, but, you know, <laughs> Star Wars, uh, historical. Uh, well, I got you. Or you could go the the sort of silly, funny, colorful characters route. And I'm sure that that was established early on. And I wonder whether, now I'm in complete speculation mode, but I wonder whether the directors had agreed on a certain tone and then found themselves kind of gradually leaning toward a different one as they went on. That's a, that's a really good, like, you know, almost like they had agreed to not go the route they usually go, but because that they're so used to like the, a certain performance wise, they started going that naturally. Like they just could not help themselves kind of a thing. Yes. Cause and I think yeah. that happens, you know, a different, totally storytellers are, are tend toward different types of stories and that might have included some of those um differences in directing that that i don't remember which outlet it was but one of the articles talked about lord and miller liked to do a lot of improvisation and i think it was lawrence kazan who didn't um that kind of thing might be something that they like agreed not to do and then found themselves doing anyway, Mm. but that's total speculation. That's a little too far into the um, Hollywood gossip route for me. So I'm not sure if that's that's what would have happened. Okay. So to wrap up this conversation, I'm going to end with this. I'm curious what you guys, what I mean, I know you guys don't really care about, care about this movie necessarily, but bear with me. There's the room. I mean, it's a Star Wars movie. I care well, enough. At in least that Megan cares for that. Saf. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, <laughs> so here's my question, ladies: What would you prefer them to do with, with the three choices that are rumored to be out there? There's Larry Kasdan, right? The guy he has directorial mm-hmm. experience, um, and obviously he knows Han pretty well. He's written probably the best movie that he's been in, and we have uh, Ron Howard. You know, old friend of George's, Happy Days actor. You guys remember him? No? Okay. Nope. Okay. Um, <laughs> Vaguely. He, he, Ron Howard directed, he's a big director. He, he directed Willow, Apollo 13. Um, I want to say he, he directed Frost versus Nixon. I could be wrong. That was a great movie, by the way. Anyway, um, he's done a lot. He's done a ton of movies. He's directed a ton. So um, he almost directed episode one, apparently. Um, George asked him to, mm-hmm. and he said no. Um, but yeah, so he's, he's a, he's a, he's a super, he hasn't, he's had, um, big movies, but he hasn't ever had like a blockbuster. Like he's like, I, I think off the top of my head, but he's, but he's a well, he's a good director. He's a solid director. Um, anyway. And then the last one is really interesting. An old, old favorite of ours, Joe Johnston, 
who is obviously the old uh, designer for the, the original trilogy, all turned into a director who directed the for, um, the Force Awakens, uh, the first Avenger, Captain America, and the Rocketeer, October Sky. Um, he back in when he was doing the Captain America press junket. Um, for first Avenger, this is right before I got married or got engaged. So that's why I know this really well. Um, he was <laughs> out there saying uh, that he wanted to do a Boba Fett film, and he was kind of campaigning for doing that. And what's interesting was this is way before like Lucas was even like remotely doing movies anymore. And we all thought that was interesting that he was campaigning for a Boba Fett film when they haven't had any standalones before. Mm. So here's my question. Of the three, which one would you like to have? Megan, you go. Um, so I was definitely sort of leaning toward Lawrence Kasdan because of the experience that he's had with Star Wars. But the more you brought to mind which uh, movies he had done, the more I think about um, Joe Johnston. sounds like he would capture that tone really well. So I would be okay with either of them, I think. Okay. Seth? I'm leaning towards Joe Johnston. Like, I get that Kesden has a lot of experience and everything, but I also don't really care about his opinions on Han Solo. Like, <laughs> I know I know that he'll have, like, I, I don't really know much about him, honestly, the person, but, like, I know the kind of character he'll make Han if he, like, he's already written the script and whatever, so it makes sense that he'd step in and finish right, it up. Right, right. But... And so, like, it's already in the it's already in the movie, but I kind of get this feeling of like how much more of a India Jones kind of Han will be in mm. this, and I don't want that. Like, we already have Indy. I don't need that in Han as well. And I could be totally wrong, and he may not do that. Like, it may be good because he knows the character and has all his experience. But also, I would like some fresh directorial eyes as well. Mm. And Joe Johnston, I think, would like bring in a cool tone because i love i love the first avenger so much it's one of my favorite marvel movies me too um I love and movie. he's just a, he's just a cool dude i would love mm-hmm. him to be involved with a stealth movie like that like no, in a directorial role absolutely. even if just like the the cleanup and like organizing the rest of it kind of thing i think he could do that well no totally i think it's funny because i think he he's my he's my choice as well only because that i think that he could prove himself kind of not even prove himself but he, he almost does like hey i'll do you a favor and then they'll almost like us you know i scratch your back you scratch mine and maybe they give him that Boba Fett movie for doing this. You know, maybe he connects yep. it to the next standalone because they're going to announce the next standalone um, probably next month when they do um, San Diego Comic Con or D twenty three. One of those two, you know, they because they're supposed to make a decision this month. Um, they might have already made it, and I, I, for, you know, there's rumors about an Obi Wan movie. So there's either it's going to be Fett or Obi Wan. It's one of the two. And I think you couldn't go wrong either way. I love both those characters. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I said it. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Joe Johnson. We all want Joe Johnson. There we go. All right. Seth, have you yeah. read? Seth, have that you, was easy. Yeah. Have you read any Star Wars books in the last, I don't know, year? In the last year? Um, probably. <laughs> uh, I don't even remember like the last books I talked about last time I was on here. So Have you read Thrawn? Uh, I have no I should read Thrawn yet. I have it, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet because I was um finishing up Iron Fist for Rogue Podron and reading some other books and I haven't had a lot of free time. Um I have almost finished the Rogue One novelization. I did read Catalyst and I did like that. Uh I also read Ahsoka. I didn't like that so much. You didn't? Um Really? No, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Like it was alright, but I okay. wasn't in love with it. Yeah. Okay. I haven't uh, I kinda remember. And I haven't read any of the like Rogue One journey oh. kind of thing yeah because oh, i haven't I been out of my hands on them yet yeah 
I've been meaning to, but I just haven't had the time. So I'm hoping uh, over the next couple months I'll have time to read them through. I'm not gonna lie. When we did our Rebel Rising um, review last week or last episode, and I was really bummed out you couldn't be a part of that because I really wanted your take on that book because. <laughs> me, me, no, I'm serious because me and Megan, we all, yeah. I always want your opinion, Seth. No, I, but I mean like, uh-huh. no, but uh, you know what I mean? Like it was just one of those things where like I really wanted to get, you know, because it was a strong female character, space lady, if you will. That's what you like to call him. Um, <laughs> so, you know, space lady, strong character, fantastic characterization, I thought, um, by Becca Revis. Or is that her name? Be- or Beth, Beth Revis. Sorry. Beth. Beth. Yeah, yep. yeah, Beth Revis. She did a fantastic job with. Um, her characterization, I felt, with one exception, which we won't get into because Saf hasn't read it yet, which I'm hoping she will, and we'll talk about it on the show eventually for a little bit. Um, but besides oh. that, it's it's I thought it was really really good. So, yeah. yeah, it's one of the ones that I really want to read. So it's probably going to be either the next book I read or the one after Thrawn. You can just skip Thrawn. Don't even worry about that. I'm not. I'm gonna read. I want to know what everyone's talking about, and I no. want to understand. So just, I'm gonna read it. Just, I can just tell you, Thrawn's blue. Uh, he does stuff, and then, like, yeah, he does stuff. That's about it. That's all you need to know. I mean, I mostly want to read it for price, honestly, but I'm going to read it. That's yeah, a, oh, if you care about price or about... Um, why do you care about price? Maybe. Because she's, she's a cool politics lady. I love cool <laughs> politics ladies. Price <laughs> is the most interesting part of that book. I would disagree. Eli Vanto is the most interesting person in that book. Eli Vanto was interesting, but... Eh. Anyway, anyway <laughs> all I gotta say, the reason I don't like Price is it's just because I felt like her her characterization was very weird. But I do, I'll, but I don't know if I told if I said this last time, but I do. Whenever I think of um, Governor Price or whatever her name is, um, I always think of uh, Olivia Wilde and her hair from Tron Legacy as her. Oh, yeah. You know, because that cute haircut. I love that haircut. I can't. I don't know. It's, I think it's really adorable. Anyway. Um, all right, Seth. So those are the only Star Wars books you've read. I did like Catalyst too. Do we ever? We talked about Catalyst, right, Megan? I think we did. We had a review episode. Oh God, it's been so long. It feels like forever ago. <laughs> it right. has been a long time ago since Catalyst. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that was like over six months, wasn't it? What's last time? Before has, Rogue One. Has it been almost a year since we recorded with Seth? It feels like it. It, it may feels have like been. it. But yeah, I think it's been lonely since This is this is. A <laughs> I think we up. never had an episode about the Rogue One novelization, did we? No, well, I'm, I I don't read novelizations, so. Well, you guys, you guys, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'll, but no, no, I, I, <laughs> Alex Reed. I know. Hey, hey, by the way, guys, I did finish. Um, what was it? Uh, Twilight Company. Oh man, you did. I did. You didn't tell. Oh my god! Oh wow! Okay, so I'm really here's that. here's the thing. <laughs> I, I liked it. It kind of lost me at the end, though. It, huh. it yeah. kind of lost me at the end. I guess. I, I you didn't like how, uh, like how. Um, oh gosh! Now the character's name is blanking on me. Which, it's been a bit of a long which, day. Which, by the way, Megan, um, you like Namir. You didn't like how Namir changed. I don't honestly. I just I kind of the last like forty minutes of the audiobook, I just kind of just kind of just words going in and out. To be honest, it just kind of lost me. <laughs> I listened you to like it. Scenes on Hawk. Yes, so that's my favorite part of the book was everything on Hoth, that's like, perfect. like every like the 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 big fight at the at the um, lunch table or dinner table, whatever it is. Love that. I loved the fact that like you know these they, they get on Hoth and they're they're you know they're they're preparing and there's like the um is it Thorn is that his name um what's his name the the guy above an, an Amir what's his name uh, what's his name 
Oh, I forgot. The captain? Captain? Yeah. Hal still? Hal. That's it. Yeah. Hal. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I want to say Thorne. It was, it was Hal. I don't know what was way off. <laughs> no. Um, I love their interactions of, like, you know, where they're going to go, um, being attacked. I love when Vader shows up and chokes um, Chael or what is, is that her name? I always forget her name. Yes. Chalice. Chalice. Um, chokes yeah. her. Uh, like that was really cool. Not because he choked her, because like she's like, <laughs> she no, just, but... because she thought she was there. For, he was there for her. And she, yeah, that yeah, scene was so good. Yeah, that scene was great. So that was cool. So there was good moments of it. I just didn't love it. But but like I, I was telling you, Megan, I think off. Uh, I think we were just talking like uh, before or after the show that I think that I love Alexander Freed's prose. Like I love that. I didn't mm-hmm. love the characters necessarily a lot and I don't, but I feel like he did well with what he was given, which is basically to write like a, you know, a, a meat grinding, like rebels versus empire story, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And that book, it grew on me too. Like I didn't love it as much as I do now. The right. first time I read it, it took like, I heard it read out loud and like I read it a second time. And then I was like, the, the sentence construction is amazing. So no, it, he's it great. Took me a while. I hope, th- I hope they give him more stuff to do. So, well, this is a great segue because we're talking about battlefront twilight company into battlefront two. Oh, oh Perfect. I, I'm All the right. master. I am yeah, so good at segues. I'm so good. I'm the best. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's the deal, ladies. You guys are the video game people. I just play Battlefront. So we've got a really good, like, <laughs> we just got a really good, like, combination here. Because you guys didn't play Battlefront. That's all I play. So I played it a little bit. I don't believe you. Bit. I don't believe you. <laughs> so No, I wait. Played... Did I even tell you about the time that I am... Um... I played it over at someone else's house and they hadn't really played it before. And I hadn't really played it except for at conventions. And we got, we were in that like Darth Vader thing you play when it's downloading updates. And so you can't play the actual game yet. And we spent half an hour in that. And I was like, how long does, when does this end? What is, this is a weird (laughs) intro to a game. (laughs) And then I Google it, figure out why it wouldn't end. We don't, I think it's like an hour and we were like, okay, this is weird. This should be, what, what is happening? (laughs) Wow. Um, so, okay, so E3 happened. We have, I mean, obviously there's there's a lot to talk about with this, with this game. And with you guys being the bigger, the video game people, and not, I know the game did not attract you guys at all. And me, I was like, I'm a stormtrooper firing aliens, yay! Like, I mean, that was cool for <laughs> me. That's all I needed. It made me happy. I'm very simple. So with this... Out of, coming out of E3, and I, know, and I guess in Celebration, too, I, we kind of talked about this a little bit, I think. Um, but, you know, with, with um, Aiden uh, Versio, is it Aiden, right? Is that I say her name right? I think so. Okay. I, I believe so. Yeah, Aiden Versio. Um, so with, 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 with the single-player campaign and the multiplayer stuff, you know, tell me, Saf, what are you feeling? Are you going to buy this game, Saf? Okay, so first off, I wasn't not enthused by the first Battlefront, but without the story mode, and because I didn't have a console that could play it, I was sort of like, I'm not going to go out of my way to track down this game. Mm. Um, but whenever I got a chance to play it, I would get into it, because it, it is a really fun game. Uh, when they announced a while back that this game was going to have a story mode, I was already way more into it then. I was like, okay, I want this game. And with the stuff they showed at uh, Celebration, with the stuff there with Aiden and her inferno squad that kind of got me more into it too and then the gameplay they showed at e3 looked amazing Mm -hmm. like so much fun and obviously i thought it through so well 
uh, and I'm I am really excited for it. And I think I'm going to be getting uh, a current gen console sometime <sighs> this year, possibly in several months. Which means that I do plan on getting this game mm-hmm. when I have the money for it because it it does it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I did really want the first one, and I just couldn't really I just I feel you. couldn't get it. Um, but because this one has a story mode and because it's got Aiden and that looks awesome mm-hmm. and it just looks fun to fly around like in those dog fights. I really want to do that too. Okay. Okay. So here's my question. What console are you going to get it for? I don't know. It's going to depend on who, who pesters me the most, I guess. Xbox. <laughs> oh, we're, Xbox. yeah, we're both Xbox one. So yep. I'm feeling to... I may end up getting it on both at some point, what? like in the future. <laughs> you're one of those well, people I, if i get both consoles and then i have friends on both consoles and want to play it with me what else am i gonna do i mean it's your, it's your money staff i'm not gonna tell you what to do with your money but that yeah. seems like a lot of money yeah. for that's just me it, that's just me if only only sony would allow cross play across games <sighs> and consoles oh. we would not have about this that'd be that I, that's a dream because you know i play because i play battlefront with the saga continued guys um kyle and tim good friends of mine and their friends and then megan's on xbox which we don't play it we haven't played we played a few video games before on destiny but because she didn't play battlefront i we just never we don't really talk on there but no with battlefront yeah. 2 i know I, which is a good segue to megan i'm assuming she's gonna buy this game because of the same yeah. reasons you said megan what's your thoughts on battlefront 2 after uh, e3 it's it's still competing with Destiny 2. Um, ah, come on. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree very much with Saf that it has the campaign, and that's basically all I needed. I really enjoyed the controls in Battlefront. It's a really solid shooter, but I wanted a story. So now that we have a story and uh, space battles are a plus, um, I will. I just I want to know what happens, and I want to know how they frame the story because. It reminds me a little bit of Republic Commando in the way that the team, it's about a team, but it's the Empire, so I expect there's going to be some sort of, I, I, I guess I don't want the Empire to be too glorified, like I want them to be cool, but I also want them to kind of get their comeuppance, because they're the bad guys, so I'll be watching that story pretty carefully. Okay, so for for me, um, this I already pre-ordered the game right after Celebration, Um so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be playing it as soon as I can. I can't wait. They already had my money right afterwards. But I will say that I mean, I'm excited to do story mode because, again, I'm not a big, I'm not a big gamer. But I'm excited to have, the, to have this game now officially in the canon shelf because, um, you know, for people who don't know, I put all the media together because all the media is now one as far as all mattering as far as we've been told. So I will put this game in the canon shelf. I have not put the Xbox game um, or the other one, the first Battlefront, in the, on the canon shelf because there's no real story. So it'll be cool to put that on here, um, that on, up that up there. So the the gameplay looks incredible. Um, I I love the fact we're getting all three eras. We're getting clone, we're getting clone era, you know, the Stormtrooper era, and we're getting the First Order era. So I'm really excited about that. Um, clo- I mean, seeing clone troopers take on battle droids is pretty amazing. So, um, I love that. I mean, it looks incredible and I love the, the character of Aiden already. Um, I, I'm also in love with the actress. I haven't told my wife yet, but yes, she's, whew, she's, she's pretty. So, uh, <laughs> she had a cool outfit yeah, in E3. 
Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was interesting. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. So she, <laughs> but no, but she, um, I'm really excited to to play this game, obviously. I think we're all are. And hopefully, it sounds like you guys are on, are on, you're at least more intrigued to actually play this and buy it. And hopefully I'll see you on my, my uh, to do a party on, on Xbox Live at some point. So hopefully that'll happen. I know, I, I'm pretty sure it'll happen with Megan. I'm pretty sure if I can pry her away from yes. Destiny 2. If I can do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's my odds plan. Are, odds are I'll get it on Xbox because I like playing shooters on Xbox way more. Because of Halo? Because those controllers are so nice for it. Yeah, because of Halo. Because yeah, exactly. I like the controllers on Xbox more. Um, okay. There's also a good chance I might get Destiny 2 as well, so I may get sucked into that fall. Oh, Sorry. Man. But, 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 but here's... I'm going to, like... My social gaming time is going to increase, I think, <laughs> well, it, it, and, between these things. And here's the thing, though, too, Saf. I, I, I was planning on getting Destiny 2 as well. So, I mean, it, I, I like the first game yes. a lot. I just, when Battlefront came in, it was like, oh, we're good. We're done. So, but I played, I played Destiny a lot. And I, I love the game. So, anyway, oh, I will, we will, if you get an Xbox, we'll all play that. So, anyway. All right. So, that's good. We got, so E3, Battlefront 2. Looks good. Iden looks awesome. Everything looks awesome. Let's move on. All right. So we've got our main topic, I guess, or a topic, because we got lots of main topics, is Rebels. <laughs> we've been talking about doing Rebels for a long time, uh, and we haven't really got to it before. I know it's been a while since they've had the season finale, Zero Hour. Um, but I thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about the finale and just talk about the show in general, just kind of as far as like, you know, what the season, if you guys like this last season, um, the kind of high, low points, you know, whatever, all the deaths, all that stuff, the trailer for season four, what do we want to see out of season four? Uh, you know, Seth, I'll go with you first. Was there anything that stuck out to you or not anything, but what was the good and the bad that stuck out with you with um, Rebels this season and with the finale in particular? I think good in the season was definitely Sabine for me. Mm. I loved her growth and her character arc in this though. I was really I was really sad when she walked away from the team and then wasn't in the second the episode afterwards because I didn't think she was actually going to like leave the team uh which I guess when that happened it kind of it kind of felt like the show was starting to get to the end where it was going to start wrapping up. Uh like I was like maybe everyone on the team is going to find a place to go afterwards or something like that. Uh, but I really liked her story, and I'm excited to see more of it in the next season because Man- Mandalorians. Uh, I didn't like a lot of the season. I got kind of, if you read any of my reviews, I wrote on Toshi Station for it. Like, I get more and more bitter as the season progresses, just because I got really <laughs> sick of Ezra and I got really sick of the color palette of the show. Uh, mm. And there was no like particularly bad thing about it. I think it just certain things started grating on me. Um, I think the season was relatively good, like, all up. It had some really, really strong episodes. Uh, I think they were kind of struggling. I think they were still kind of struggling with the same thing as in season two, where they were moving from, like, an episodic thing to an overarching story and still kind of, like, try. they'd have, like, a couple things where they had an overarching arc for, like, two episodes. But mostly they tried to keep everything self-contained, which I think with season three, for me, was kind of a problem because a lot of things that, felt like they could have taken longer got wrapped up way too quickly and so the stories felt like they got kind of cut short uh i think that was my biggest problem of the season um 
I don't know. It was it was good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with a lot of that in terms of the criticism, I guess, and I'll I'll do my criticism first and then the things I liked. I liked season three better than season two, in part because it did have some more of an overarching plot. Um I really enjoyed Sabine's arc and I also really enjoyed um all the the most of the Darth Maul stuff. Um, everybody knows I'm a big Darth Maul fan, so for him to kind of finally have a conclusion and one that kind of ended his story while also tying back to the thing he like went through all this for in the first place was really cool. I thought that writing was was really good. It was what I wanted to see. Um, but I also found Ezra to be the weakest part of the season. And part of me hates to say that because I, I understand that he is, he's supposed to be represented. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm a teenager and he's supposed to be kind of um headstrong and a little bit all over the place but i found that he he was written as inconsistent at worst and kind of um overly pushy at best he was there were a couple episodes that i didn't really think he needed to be in at all and that could have been a kind of better self-contained stories if they didn't feel the need to constantly refer back to him um so I liked a lot of his stuff with Kanan. I actually liked the conversation that he has with Kanan at the end of Zero Hour, where he, they, or excuse me, at the beginning of Zero Hour, where they, he actually says, like, you've taught me a lot. And it was it was blatant, but it was sweet. I liked that. But in general, I felt that Ezra kind of took over too much. And I like more of what I've wanted from the very beginning, which is more of the group dynamic in season four. You know, for me, I... I actually like the season as a whole, as a as a whole season way more than I like season two. I felt season two had some. I'm not going to call them filler episodes. I'll just call them clunkers. They just didn't work for me. Um, so <laughs> hey, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a filler episode, but Rebels does not. Rebels doesn't really do filler episodes like actual real filler mm-hmm. episodes. So I would agree, like with this clunker thing. I don't know where you're going with it, but I agree with it already. Right. Well, I mean, this saying that there's <laughs> there's some episodes just, just just hit with me, and some episodes that didn't. We had there was a, a few clunkers for me, like the Iron Squadron uh, episode with this, mm. the kids. That was pretty terrible, um, in my opinion. Was it? You know, there's a push plot, probably in some ways, yes, but not my thing. Um, I really didn't like the one with uh, uh, with Chopper and AP or uh, 
AP5. Is that, I always, I always want to call him AP9. Yeah, AP5. But, yeah, it's AP5. Um, even though I love AP5, um, with the thing with the very end where he's singing, it was just, it was doing something different, and I get it, but just it just didn't resonate with me. I just didn't like it. I thought the ship blowing up, like they have the where Sahara has the chopper reverse blow up the ship. It was pretty ridiculous. I'm like, eh, <laughs> I mean, whatever. I don't know. So, for but that that being said. I felt from start to finish, I liked more episodes as a whole. I mean, the highs maybe weren't as high as season two, but there was, I don't think the lows were as nearly as low as sometimes they got with season two. Um, Mm. In my opinion, if that makes any sense. Like, I felt like I thoroughly mostly enjoyed the season three, whereas I would either love some episodes of season two and I would would be like, ugh, season, season two episode this one stunk, you know, I mean, just, it just kind of varied for me. Um, I love, again, it, it happens with every rebel ser- series. I love the, the opening episodes and I love, or I, you know, usually I, I love the opening episodes. I didn't love the finale. Um, which, yeah. which is surprising for me because I twilight of the apprentice is maybe some of my favorite star Wars, anything like top 20, maybe even 15. I don't know. Like it's it's which is saying a lot. I'm talking about Star Wars moments, anything, legends, canon, whatever. Like Twilight of the Apprentice is incredible. So that being said, the first season's episodes were great, um, with Ezra kind of being a little bit darker. But like like you, Saf, I just felt um, Ezra kind of he was all over the place. Like they try to make him dark and brooding. And I'm like, all right, I'm down with this. Like not saying I ha- he has to be dark and brooding all the time. But then he went back to like, hey, I'm Ezra. <laughs> like, that's what it felt like. And I'm like, uh, not really <laughs> yeah. into this. Yeah, his, the whole plot about him going to the dark side kind of fizzled out. But Yeah, I, I was, because I was really excited for the season to like go through a whole Ezra struggling with balancing the dark side and the light side, because it seemed like that's what they were leading up to. And then like in the first couple episodes, they're like, yeah, he's light side. We figured it out. It's fine. He's not dark anymore. And then so through the rest of the season, they would every now and then try and like hint that, oh, maybe he's still kind of dark. But by that point, it was already wrapped up, and so they would have like these weird moments where he kind of would do something sort of dark sided, and then come back and be like, "No, nah, I'm kidding, I'm good, it's fine." Like they didn't ever try to balance the two the two sides. They were just like, "Eh, he's mostly good, and that's a good thing," kind of thing. Um, but he'd also, I noticed it so much more in this season. But he would learn a lesson at the end of an episode, and you'd be like, "Okay, I can actually see that he's grown as a character." And then the next episode, he would just go back to being like season one Ezra or all over again. And I know like it's partly because the show is still trying to be episodic in some ways that they kind of have to keep characters relatively consistent, but also it is so painful to watch Ezra regress every episode. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. I felt like either he didn't progress after he thought he was going to, or he regressed. Like he, again, he went backwards. It's like, how does that work? Um, there was one episode in particular, I'm trying to remember which one it was, but there was one where I was literally like, Ezra is so annoying right now. And (laughs) now a friend of mine told me, you know, what 15 year old isn't annoying. And I'm like, touche, um, not saying all 15 year olds are annoying, but like, you know, being younger and, you know, and you're younger and hanging out with someone younger than you, that's like, I'm 35. So that's like huge, you know, not a huge age gap, but enough to be a difference. It can, you know, be someone making brash decisions could get annoying after a while, right? Like, it's like, hey, chill out, man. So I guess for me was like, yeah, I guess you're right in some regard. But 
Ezra just he just is to me is just not ah, just, ah I feel like you have a great we have such great characters like Kanan um that I want to see more of Kanan like you know wisdom give this kid wisdom and he, I just feel like he doesn't listen to him so I don't know I I I've just for one really would like to see I'm hoping what the season does is give us some closure for Ezra and I want to be a little more complicated he doesn't have to be full on dark right like, I just want Ezra yeah. to be a little more complicated because I think that's what made, I think, Kanan so interesting um, when you first meet him because he's rejecting his his Jedi, you know, Jedi self, if you will. And, you know, he finally, you know, and has with with uh, Hera's um, urging, he takes Ezra as his Padawan and he you know, kind of goes from there. But even he is like, I haven't, you know, he was insecure of himself. I loved that fact about him. And there's other you know complexities with all the characters, but Ezra, and Ezra's just like I think. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. no I I completely agree with you. Like completely. Uh, when it comes to that, like Ezra's a teenager, and teenagers are the worst a lot of the time. Like I, yes, but also no. Um, because <laughs> yes, yes. he's a teenager, but he's also like we've seen him grow up through years. Like he's not the same. 14 year old he was in the first season 15 year old yeah he's like 17 or something now like he's not just a kid he's he would have grown he would have learned he would have changed a lot um and i was one of ezra's biggest defenders like in season one and season two because i was like yeah he's a teenager he's gonna make stupid mistakes and he and i still stand by the fact that he will make stupid mistakes but i hate that he doesn't learn from them and if you compare him to like ahsoka from the clone wars she grows so much during the clone wars and you can see it like if you watch season one episode with her and then you go back and you like watch the the wrong jedi arc and you could see how much she's changed and they don't she doesn't regress much like she goes back sometimes to older soka things as people do but she changes so much as a character ezra i cannot pinpoint much growth with him and even like comparing with something like steven universe if you want to go to like male protagonists who are young like in the first steven universe is like a really amazing cartoon uh, and Steven is an annoying teenager, or he's not even a teenager, I think he's a preteen in, like, the first season, and he grows so much. Like, you don't actually notice him aging, but as a character, he becomes really emotionally complex, and they just do that in, like, three seasons, I think. And Ezra doesn't get that at all. Like, Kanan has that emotional complexity. Sabine, you can see it in her. Hera less so, because they still don't use her that much in the show, even though they really should. Even Zeb has this emotional complexity, and Ezra's just missing it. Yeah, exactly. And I think it sucks because Hera does have an emotional complexity. The difference with her, though, is that she buries it because she's a leader. And I think that yeah. is, again, that's, and that adds another complexity. Ezra just is, is, I feel like everything is just not. That's, go ahead, go ahead, Megan. It's just tough with Hera, though, because that's one of those cases in which a character should speak through their lack of action. And that's a very fine line to walk, especially with a female character. Um, I was kind of uncomfortable with that in the first season when a lot of her her story was an effort to explain why she was closed off. Um, and I, I don't know that we've gotten some more complexity with her family, which is good. So oh, that has, I think, added me. a lot. Sorry, no, uh, just what? jump in, but... Um... The episode where she's talking about Mon Mothma is just both of them talking to each other about their roles in the rebellion and how they see the rebellion was really beautiful for like kind of revealing Hera in a way that we hadn't really seen before. Um, 
I think there should be more of that with her because we really haven't gotten enough of her. No, it, totally. I, I, I think that Hera has been likes of being in the first season and a half of of Rebels. You know, first season completely, and half of the second season, she's underused. Hera is definitely, oh, she's definitely underused. Like. Um, the episode where she goes back to Ryloth was was a really cool episode. Um, again, like she's a, she's a strong character, and she's a str- you know because she's the leader of the team essentially, or not essentially she is leader. So I don't know. I, I feel that they've they've shortchanged some characters to 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 build up Kanan and Ezra's relationship, and and they're like the focal points, obviously, with Sabine probably next, which is great. Because here's, I'll be honest, I was not a Sabine fan the first two seasons. And I want, <laughs> I wanted to be, but they just, they didn't really give me a reason. Like, they, I felt like, it felt like, you know, and in my opinion, they've made her Mandalorian to make her, just to make her interesting. And that alone is, can only go so far. And the, even the episode where they introduced her friend, I thought was just okay. But it was this season that made me go, okay, Sabine's badass. Because... I love the episode where she's training with the Darksaber. It's so good. You get to see, again, the complexities <laughs> of the character. And you see why she doesn't go back to Mandalore. How, you know, why did she join the Rebels? You know, and what does the Darksaber represent? It represents everything she resents in her life, essentially. So that in the episode where Kanan basically gets that out of her is amazing. So, um, and when they go back to Mandalore and they fight, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Uh, the the guy, the Mandalorian in white, red stormtrooper armor, whatever his name is. Um, Previous one? No, that's Finral. That's it. Wow, I got the wrong name no, there. No, 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 Finral. Finral is the buddy. Oh, was it Previsla? No, no, not Pre. That's her, that's like that's like uh that's from Clone Wars. It's like yeah, that's um, Clone- it wasn't a Vizsla. <laughs> it was not a Vizsla. No. Um, okay. She's, she's, no a, she's part of House Vizsla, but any, anyway, my point is this: is that the Mandalorian episodes they go back. Oh, yeah, she is. Yeah, she like they're, <laughs> they're great, and she's a great character, and it's right. So right as she's becoming interesting and awesome, it for me, not saying for everybody else, but just for me, they're like, oh, she's gonna stay behind here. It's like, ugh, why? I mean, okay, okay, I can already like because I, I. First thing, I'm with you. I really wasn't super fond of Sabine in the first season. I was like, she looks cool, but I don't like her that Like, I don't care about her. And then halfway through the second season, I kind of just fell in love with her, and she became my favorite character of the show. Uh, but also, like, because at Celebration, they had the Rebels panel, um, and then after that, they showed the first episode of the next season. I'm not going to say anything about the episode, really, because I, I managed to get in there and see that. But I can already tell you that, Sabine staying on Mandalore and leaving the ghost crew is not taking her out of the story at all. She is going to be a focal character in this season. And the first episode already shows that. All right. Mm, that's well, good to know. Because you already saw it, Missy. I see how it is. <laughs> I yeah. see how it is. I wasn't able to get into that <laughs> that panel. I was. I watched that panel from my hotel room. <laughs> uh, I honestly, they do it every time and it, it still surprised me at the end when they were like, okay, we're going to show you the first episode of the next season. And I was like, what a surprise. And then I thought about it and I was like, this was not a surprise at all. <laughs> wow. Um, so so really quickly before we uh, wrap up to, to kind of talk about season four and then we'll end the show. Um, I think it sounds like Saf and, 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 and Megan, I haven't, I haven't heard what you said. Saf, you're with me a little bit. You weren't really that impressed with Zero Hour. Is that right? The last episode of the season? 
the last episode. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't super invested in like the final episodes of the season because they just felt a little bit not I don't know, I can't think of the right word. It's not consistent that I want, but um Damn, I don't know what the word is. They felt a little bit wonky, uh, in their own way. They were kind of weak. They didn't really tell like a strong story for me. Uh and I don't know. I guess without Sabine there, it kind of felt like it was missing part of the part of the main core of the group in a way. Mm-hmm. No, 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 totally. Yeah. Uh, it was I, yeah. It felt weird. Like I love Twilight the Apprentice, and I love the finale for the first season, though I can't remember what it was called. Like they were really good and strong, Sparky and Rebellion. I loved the to be. Yeah, that one. I love the to be continued <laughs> episodes because mm-hmm. usually they lead up to something really cool, and then they have a really cool like closure for that in the second episode like i like it when they split it into two and that's why i like the finales generally is because they do that and um yeah this one just did not draw me in i kind of watched it and sort of detached from the show as i was watching it i had like no strong feelings at all about it um megan your thoughts well so the first time i watched it i really liked the space battle i like what a big episode it was i like the visuals from the bendu but I found, um, especially on a rewatch, that the character work was not quite as strong as I had wanted it to be. Um, the character that I, I like was most invested in, I think, was Callus. And I, yeah, same. <laughs> it's really kind of hard to have the conversation of, oh, I think someone should have died without sounding like I mean that, I, like, death has to happen in order for a story to have meaning. I don't necessarily think that. But this episode in particular, I thought that there should have been more of a threat to our heroes. And I, we, we had Sato died, and that was a very like affecting scene, but we didn't know Sato all that well. So I, I guess it, it was fine, but it did end up a little kind of toothless to me. Yeah, I think that was probably my biggest problem with it as well, is it didn't... In, like, Twilight of the Apprentice, because I didn't know if Ahsoka would live, and Vader was terrifying for the Rebels, and all that other stuff. And also the Inquisitors being there, like, it was a lot happening in that. That kind of raised the stakes, and I, and I watched it, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen, or who was going to make it out alive at all. This one, it kind of went into it, and I was like, eh. Mm-hmm. And time. Thrawn is frightening, especially because we got to see him, like, fist fight Callus, but he's frightening as a sort of a persuasive person more than as the head of an army like there were individual lines that scared me more than that entire imperial army did and maybe that's just the because it's for you know a younger age group it's not going to be like the kind of thing that like i would consider intense but that kind of took away from some of the impact that the empire could have had so Here's my, my one of my biggest issues with the episode. When Thrawn goes, fire, and they all start shooting a cloud. And then Bendu <laughs> falls from the cloud. Yes. I mean, that was just weird. It just did not play well. The whole <laughs> Bendu idea was interesting. I think that was cool. That you know, I like the I like the idea, but how they stopped Bendu was really ridiculous. Let's be honest here; it was that was awful. <laughs> and I just it, so, but even then, um, it just it never quite for me just felt like eh, I don't know. It just it was 
it was exciting to an extent, but it never quite was like the jaw dropping, um, you know, kind of fist wielding uh, thing that I do at the very the last two seasons. You know, the first season you ended with Ahsoka, right? And then the second season mm-hmm. you ended with the reveal of Maul and kind of like what's going on with that. The third season you just end with the fact that Bendu gets shot from a you know shot as a cloud comes down, tells Thrawn he's gonna be surrounded by bunch of arms on his final days and then that's it and and they fly off to you know basically you know i think they i don't they reference yavin at the end of the show but yes they it, do okay they it, do, yeah. it's not gonna go to yavin it's like okay cool you know, whatever so i mean to me it's it's whatever i'm not it just never it just never didn't have enough uh pizzazz if you will so it was uh, yeah, it was ahead. missing something. Like, I don't know what it was missing, but it was missing. I would have to watch it, like, a bunch more times to pin down what it is for me. But there's something missing. And I think part of it is that the threat kind of gets hand-waved away with the Bendu, be- like, coming up out of nowhere. And it's partly, like, there was no consistent, like, thread to really, apart from Thrawn existing in general, but they, they kind of still best him throughout the season. There's no real strong thread throughout the season uh, to give you, like, dread for this finale, except for possibly dread for Callus. Um, I think in, like, the first season finale kind of ends on they have to leave Lothal, and the Empire has kind of bested them, and they are smaller now, and, like, they're kind of struggling a little bit. And then in the second season, it ends, like, Ahsoka's probably dead, Vader killed her kind of thing, and Ezra, you know Ezra has a Sith holocron and that he's learning from it kind of thing, and he's hearing Maul's voice. And those are, like, two big threats to kind of bring you on into the next seasons afterwards. And I feel like this one didn't really have that. It's like, oh, yeah, it's exciting, but also, like, I, I don't know, there's nothing grabbing me except for having seen the first episode of the next season, which grabbed me into that season. This finale didn't do that. I'm definitely curious to see whether we see much of Yavin next season because I like I just love Yavin. I love the landscape and the look of the temples and stuff. Um, so I wonder if that will actually be the home base for our rebels, or if we're going to see more of Lothal or something. I hope we see like a Melu run episode, but on Yavin. Oh, I love that episode. What? <laughs> no, Wait, the one where they stole the Melu runs? I love that episode. Oh, it's so much fun. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. For the record, it's not a bad episode. I, that episode's not bad. It, it is fun, but it's just on. Yeah, I guess you know on Yavin that actually would be kind of fun, actually. But yeah, it, yeah. But, but it would be like it would. Be, but there would be no civilization around them, so that they'd just be running around. With, which would be cool to see the 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 all the the surroundings of Yavin. So that actually would be cool. I'll, I'll give I you that. I want it just to like explore Yavin a bit more. No word. Um, word. Yeah. But also just. Be- it would be kind of fun. I like it's not the kind of episode they would have in this season um, because it's a shorter season too, right? So oh, it's going to be a lot true. more concise, yeah. which I'm really excited about. I think part of the problems I've been having with the last two seasons is that they've been longer, mm-hmm. and so they've been like kind of throwing out the storytelling, so it hasn't been as concise and as sharp as it could have been. Totally, totally. Which, by the way, speaking of Yavin, ladies, do you know Yavin's going to be a playable map in Battlefront Two? Woo! Yeah. Oh man, see that's that's cool. I will be yeah. Yeah. I will obsessively look at it for information about what's canon about the Masasi now. Yeah, because like the, <laughs> there's a, there's a picture of a shadow trooper on Yavin in Battlefront 2. Ooh, I like so, that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying, throw it out there. Okay, so wrapping up the episode, um let's just give our thoughts for season 4. Now, Sav, you you've cheated. You've already seen one episode. It sounds like you're excited Can I give though. Thoughts? 
No, 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 no. no I, I was, I was leading in with you. I was just saying that you, you, you get, yeah, you get yeah. a leg up of, uh, uh, with us because you've already seen an episode. But it sounds like you're excited. Yeah, yeah. Like I've been talking kind of like bitterly about the last season, and it kind of sounds like I'm probably less into Rebels now. But honestly, going to that panel and seeing, like, hearing the news and seeing the trailer for the next season, the trailer itself. I got really emotional. I actually teared up during that trailer, really? which I was genuinely surprised by because they did the whole like talk over of all the different characters and like how they've grown a little bit. And I love most of the ghost crew so much. Ezra is just the one I'm a little bit iffy on at the moment. And I'm hoping because it's the final season, he actually gets the chance to step forward into his character. And in the first episode, I think he kind of does that, but he's still kind of a bit Ezra. Um, but on the whole, watching this first episode, like the tone change was quite strong you can kind of tell it was stepping into the final final chapter of the show. Uh, it's a little bit darker. It's a bit more intense. Uh, it has a lot of Sabine, which, like, the season seems to have as part of its thing. It's, like, it's Sabine's story as much as Ezra's story, I think, which I'm really excited about because I love her. Uh, yeah, this, like, I came out of that first episode and I was like, damn, this season's going to be really good, which I didn't have from watching the first episode of the, the latest season. <laughs> And now I wish I'd seen that episode. And we'll I, see it soon enough. It'll be out yes. soon. I'm definitely excited for more Yavin. Um, I do want to see what's up with uh, either Ahsoka or any of the new Force mythology stuff that they do. Something in the, the direction of the Bendu or finding out where Ahsoka is. I'm curious about the Space Wolves because although I sort of make fun of the fact that Dave Filoni has wanted Space Wolves forever. I do think the Space Wolf looks cool. Looks so cool. It does. I admit it. It does. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so that's that's about it. And uh, more Hera. More Hera doing things that show how she became General Syndulla by the time of Rogue One. And maybe there's rumors that Cassian might show up as the new Fulcrum. That would be cool, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I, like, I, that reminded me, I'm excited to see it, like, fit into Rogue One. Yeah. And however it's going to, I'm excited to see that connect. Uh, I'll be honest, I hope Cassian isn't Fulcrum. I hope Cassian... But he is. I mean, we know he has been Whoa. a Fulcrum, because it's in, it's in the encyclopedia, the visual guy. Is it? That's true. Yeah, yeah that's oh, one of his code names. Oh, dang yeah. man. So he has, he has been a Fulcrum, but not necessarily the Fulcrum we will get in Rebels. Yes, I, yes. I, hope, I think that's important to emphasize. I, I hope they just don't shoehorn him in there just because they want to have a Rogue One tie-in, you know? Like, that's... It's, <laughs> it's kind of like that Princess Leia episode when, like, uh, in Season 2, which I, I can't... No, no, I mean, okay, 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 you say that, but those hammerheads became very useful in Rogue One. <laughs> You're right, but in the, but here's the thing. In that episode, they, they served no... That episode served no point but just to have the hammerheads show up in rebels just to, i don't i don't know like i just yeah but that i mean i i get i get what you mean it has no importance in in rebels itself but it's cool that like something an, ep- an entire episode like a million years before we even not a million years but you know like yeah. so far before we even like thought about rogue one like having these ships in it ended up being important for rogue one Re- like no, that's cool in its own way no, that, that is totally you're right i'm not going to take away from that necessarily it's just the episode <laughs> as a whole i thought was bad i thought princess yep, leia was kind of not was not great uh like I have, i've had to be honest i've had a problem with how they've done princess leia's characterization not in like the force awakens but like in the other supplement you know with uh 
supplement supplement supplementary material excuse me i can't talk today um i got it i got it i got it guys uh the comic which everyone knows i'm not a big, i'm not a fan of at all it's like my least favorite canon thing since they were released um and in, in rebels i just haven't i just thought she was she paid too much attention to ezra like i felt yeah i felt okay and i remember telling my friend tim from saga continues this and he laughed out loud i think I, I even said it on a podcast. I think I said, "It's the, I don't think Leia would ever be like, oh, Ezra, what's wrong with you? She'd be like, shut up, kid. Get out of here. I've got stuff to do. Like, Leia, she would. She would. She, I agree. She's not, she's not going to care about Ezra. I'm sorry. She's not. That's not Princess Leia. Princess Leia's like, I got work to do. I got more important things to listen to you cry. You know? It's like, yeah. I mean, you know I love the Leia comic, largely because I love Yvonne. Like, yes, yes. it has pacing issues. I do not disagree with the, the characterization of Leia in that. I really like that. I love her in some of the books, and I hate her in other books, like the Aftermath books. I don't like her in those. Um, yeah. But, her yeah, her characterization in Rebels was not great. <laughs> I completely agree. I don't, like, I was quite excited for that episode because it was Leia, but then it was, like, they actually had the episode and I was like you know what I wish it hadn't happened yeah I think that that's part of why Cassian might be an interesting choice though because we do know so much we know so much about Leia already but um we don't know a lot about Cassian's backstory except what we've gotten in like the the visual encyclopedia which has that like he fought against the Republic for a while and I'd be really curious to see any inclusion of that in Rebels well, he would be an interesting character to contrast the ghost crew with because he's very much like a, not morally gray, but he kind of borders on that more than we expect for Rebellion characters, which is why he's so compelling in Rogue One. Uh, and I think that would be interesting to play against Ezra if they do go back towards him being tempted by the dark side in some way, because then he could see that Cassian is part of the good guys, but he can be kind of bad sometimes, which would be interesting for him. I don't know if they'll ever do that. I also, like, speaking of Rogue One characters being in Rebels, I really, I think they've said something about Saw coming back in, and I really want yeah. that. Like, I want to see that step from the Saw we see last season to the Saw we see in uh, Rogue One, because it's quite, quite big. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't, I don't know. Season four, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't necessarily, I want a natural Rogue One connection. Having Saw in there and his partisans that's pretty cool. Like I'll take that in a heartbeat. That could be enough for me. I like Cassian. I would love to have him in there, but I don't want him this in there for the sake of being there. Like well, I thought fe- Yavin, I guess he'll be there too. That's true. That, and that, that is, that is true. And maybe K2SO maybe also as well. That'd be fun. So, Oh my God. I'm like a K AP. Oh, dude. <laughs> That'd be oh, oh, snap. Oh, <laughs> oh. And then they could both like take chopper and throw him in Yavin and blow him up. Now that would be amazing. That- <laughs> I'm in. Filoni, I'll write it for free. I'll donate all the proceeds to charity. I will write that episode. They'll be like, Chopper, come here. You're such a great character and so interesting. You should come out to Yavin Forest and put these explosives inside of you. Anyway. Well, I wonder, with, with it tying in with Rogue One, I wonder if Rogue One will end up being the finale. Like, the Battle of the bell over Scarif and that kind of stuff or something linked to that will end up being like the final few episodes of rebels to kind of give way into rogue one or if they'll have that the battle of yavin not yavin the battle over Scarif happening like during the season at some point and then ending after that because there's only so much they can do with the season because it's short and we know that at some point Hera has to step into general 
and whether or not she does that during the season and whether or not the other not rogues um <laughs> other ghost crew stay with her or go elsewhere or i guess die is is going to be interesting and i want to know how they do that yeah yeah and there's been kind of rumors that has it have there been rumors that Rebels would end its scarf or was that that's like speculation confirmed or speculational rumors, but I yeah. that's what I've been here and also thinking. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'd be fine with them not doing a, a direct tie in to Rogue One. I kinda want Rebels to end on its own own thing, to be honest. Like I wouldn't mind setting up the battle of scarif, maybe. Like, you know, like um like maybe you see Jin like walk or not Jin, or yeah, that'd be cool as maybe Jin's like in handcuffs at the very end of Rebel Season 4. Like, that's one of the last scenes you see. Because um, you gotta remember, they're gonna have to wrap up Ezra and Kanan, which I, I still believe that they don't survive. I don't, I don't. Ezra's gonna live. No way they're gonna kill the main character of a kid's show in the final season. Th- th- like, I would be extremely surprised. Now, not you, kill might, Ezra. you might be she right. You might be right. Kanan could be looking, but they are not gonna kill Ezra. There's no way. I feel like he's just gonna like he's probably gonna step aside and be like being a Jedi is not my thing or something. Or he'll kill another part of the rebellion. Or my standing theory, which probably is never gonna happen because they never come back to it, is that he will take all the four sensitive children and run away with them. You know what's funny is I actually <laughs> really like that. Yeah, well that was my idea originally like that. was that at some point he, Kanan and Ahsoka would step away from the rebellion to protect these children, and they wouldn't train them to be Jedi, but they would train them to control their abilities enough to like not get taken by the Empire. That was always my theory, and then season two ended, and I was like, "Oh, there goes that theory." Just before we started recording, Paul and I were talking about the new issue of the Darth Vader comic and a new type of Jedi who specifically swear to like not get involved with galactic events. Ooh. And I don't necessarily think that Ezra would know about that, but he it sounds like he could become something like that as well. Yeah, I just think I think it'll be something that he won't die, but he will step away in some form. Kind of like Ahsoka that everyone thought she had to die at the end of the Clone Wars because she wasn't a Revenge of the Sith. And then the end she just leaves the Jedi Order and she's like, I, screw you guys, I'm out kind of thing. And it worked really well. Right. And if they do something similar with Ezra, but on a kind of lighter note so that you feel good about what he's doing instead of like, this is the worst day, I'm so sad. Um, I think that would be a good end. I don't know what they would do, but I feel like that's what they're going to do. I, I, I'm going to say this. If he survives, which I think is still a, a good chance, they could kill him off. But you're right. Having a kid show, I always underestimate the fact that this isn't George Lucas who had no problem killing people on Clone Wars. Um, whereas on he's Disney, they're not killing Clone anybody. Wars, but he still kill Ahsoka. Like, yeah, he didn't kill Ahsoka. Rick didn't die. Like, mm-hmm. two of them didn't die. And it was a kid's show. Like, obviously, they couldn't kill Padme or Anakin or Obi-Wan because of things like that. But the, yeah. the kid's kid point of view character ahsoka did survive that's true so so here's here's my here's my thing i i'm i'm with Saf in some way i think if he does survive which he probably will which is unfortunate in my opinion but whatever if he does my guess is and i'm betting on he ends up running in unknown regions i think that's gonna be a loophole for a lot of jedi or something like that especially if snoke is from the unknown regions um not saying Ezra Snoke by it's any means. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I really do think that Ezra, if he does survive, how they're going to explain where was he this whole time? He runs off the unknown regions 
because they've already been there before with with Zeb's home planet. So he'd probably go back out there and he's just going to explore the unknown regions and not come back because maybe Kanan's loss is too great or something like that. Well, maybe like he's like, he gets like a false vision or like gets told by someone that there's some important thing out in the unknown regions that could help the rebellion. He's like, all right, I'll go do that. And he just gets lost <laughs> or, or something. Yeah. Or he's like, like he goes yeah. on something important and then it kind of doesn't get resolved for a while right. or something like that. Or, or what about if, um, you know, like he's like, I'm feeling this calling from, from the unknown regions, from the force. I have no idea what it is, but it feels really good. And really it's Snoke calling Ezra coming in to, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Ezra's a knight of something. Now that, now that would be cool. Like I could, if he was like a, a small time character in the, in the trilogy, but he ended up being Ezra, that'd be kind of cool. But I mean, I doubt it. I, I really don't think he's going to have any deep ties Personally, could be wrong. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. I mean, it's okay. It's up. Coming back into other stuff, so it's possible. We don't know what will happen with Ezra. Like, it's a, I, I don't know what they're gonna do with it, and I don't know what I want that would be like a good resolution for him, because he, it's kind of hard to see him stepping away from the rebellion where he is at the moment. Like, he's very invested in helping other people and saving other people compared to where he was at the start of the show. Uh, and even if Kanan dies. Like, unless he sees no reason to stay with the Rebellion, I find it... I'm They're going to need a really good, compelling reason to keep him away from it, or to keep him away from Luke and other Jedi. Mm-hmm. That, that's a great point, because he, he's got such a deep tie to the Empire, and he's been fighting it for so long. If he doesn't die, there has to be something that drags him away from it. So, And that's why I like your theory, Saf, about the Jedi children. So... Um, <laughs> I want that to come back. I think that was like such a big part of season two, and then it just never really got resolved. Like they were like, "Okay, we killed these inquisitors," but they didn't kill all the inquisitors that we know of, and these babies are still just out there somewhere being hunted by the empire. It's like, why don't? Why isn't this being resolved? That's true. Uh, Megan, do you have anything to add? No, I think that's about it. I don't have a lot of feelings about where Ezra's going to go because I also think that he's not going to be killed off. Um, I mean, is if Ezra is Snoke, that would certainly be a reason you to get more people to watch people. Rebels. But what if he does end up being Snoke, though? Like, stop it, what? Staff. It's not gonna happen. All I'm saying is that from a marketing perspective, it would be very easy to market the story of Snoke is this episode, this four season TV show. But I don't necessarily think that's true. It would be like the prequels again. They've got this really cool villain, and then it goes back to him being a really annoying teenager. I'm, I'm telling oh. you guys, it's. I mean, it's if if Ezra is Snoke, I'll do something. I'll do something ridiculous. I don't know yeah, what no, I'll do. I'm with you. We can both, we can both do something ridiculous. Uh, well, Maybe like our listeners can give us something ridiculous <laughs> to do. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, figure, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do something ridiculous. I, I that's how confident I feel. Like I'm like, no, there's just no way. If there is, I mean, I'll be honest. I'll I'll do something ridiculous, and I'll also be a little intrigued because that's a pretty that'd be pretty ballsy in my opinion. But I just don't I just don't see it happening, right? I mean, yeah. doesn't really make sense. So anyway, all right. Well, I think we we wrap <laughs> we can wrap it up here. This has been great, Sap, to have you back because it's been too okay. long. Yeah, it's been too long, but. <laughs> Yeah, the, well, the the good news is that you guys still do a podcast together called Western Reaches, so people can still listen to you two yes. talk. So, yes, but the three of us, no. 
Every, every once in a while, I'll show up on the show. Like that one time we talked about. We, that... And now, now everyone can hear all three of us again. It's yes, perfect. it's perfect. We are. We. I feel so good. Feels so good. So, in <laughs> um, the next episode, I think we're going to talk about. I believe uh, Infernal Squadron, if I'm not mistaken. So, we'll have a Battlefront Two tie-in book that comes out way before the video game does. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I so hopefully we'll read that before. I'm not sure. I'm sure we'll get we'll figure something out with that. Um, anyway, so wrapping up, uh, Megan, where can people find you at? Um, uh, so I have written for Den of Geek, Star Wars Insider, and StarWars.com. Um, all of my work can be found on Twitter at blog full of words. Excellent, and don't forget Western Reaches with Saf at what at Western yes. Reaches correct on Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's an underscore reaches. Oh, my fault. We got that underscore. My fault, my fault, my fault. Okay. <laughs> Saf, where can people find you at? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Wanderlustin, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. I also write for Toshi Station. I sometimes write for Making Star Wars, but not as often as I used to. Uh, you can find me on my own site, notsafwork.com. You can also find my new podcast network that's starting up next month on that site. So, yeah. And... Yes, I'm very excited to see. You have, don't you have a new show on your, on your new podcast network already? Uh, yeah, there's one episode out uh, about Wonder Woman by the Lasso, so <laughs> it's very cool. I wonder who's on that Wonder Woman <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> oh, I wonder who that. I, I know. I, I know one of them very well. One of the other person I don't know as well, but I do know one person. I, I don't even have to say his name. We all know who he is. Oh, Mike. Um, anyway, <laughs> so um, my as I am Paul, as you probably might know, you can find me on Twitter at Herman22. That's with two N's, Herman, um, a.k.a. P-Thug. You can find us, the Blaster Cannon Show Twitter uh, handle, at Blaster Cannon Pod. Um, so if you have any questions, go ahead and uh, send us a, a tweet or whatever. We'll answer it. I'm, we're trying to be a little more interactive there. So, you know, please feel free to ask us questions there. We might even read it on the show and go over it. So, uh, yeah. So thanks, so thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.